Hey class, today we have a bonus episode for you. I had the pleasure of interviewing director Brandon Christensen a week ago. Brandon directed the hit horror film Stillborn a couple of years ago, and his newest feature, Z, was recently released as a Shudder exclusive. Z centers around a child's not-so-imaginary friend. The movie is fantastic, and our conversation ranges from raising children to how we're coping with the pandemic. I hope you enjoy. Three, two, one. One, two, three. Ready or not? Oh, hi, Mommy. Wanna play? A lot of children have imaginary friends. And oftentimes, it's a uh, positive experience. Is there anything we can do to help them be less, you know, destructive? You could try playing with them more at home. He's a good kid. You know, he's just got a really, I don't know, vivid imagination right now. Josh. Joshua, I am speaking to you. You put our son on medication you didn't tell me? Not seeing what I'm seeing, you don't understand how bad it is. You saw Z, didn't you? He's here with you, isn't he, Bob? Son, to try to reconnect with you. I'll be right up. I think probably the best place to start with this film, uh, Sean sent over. Like we're all stuck in quarantine, right? So like if you right. hear thuds, it's the thirteen-year-old practicing soccer next door, or the baby running around up. You know, like it's just yeah. it's chaos here at the house. Yeah, for sure. I totally get it. So your before we get into the the movie specific. Uh, Sean shared uh, your newest short with uh, oh, cool. a handful of us, and uh, I adore it. And, the, and the, the coolest thing I took out of it, or, or the most unique, do you have a son named Sawyer? I do, yeah. Yeah, I have a son named Sawyer, too, and I, they're nice. pretty close to the same age. Mine is four. No, and yours. Yeah, four. Okay, Sawyer's the older one, so he's eight, and then Max is five. Okay. So uh, let's start there, because I think one of the things that is most remarkable about what you've done uh, with Z and with Stillborn is give a pretty well-rounded view of what it is to be a kid. And I think there is a special connection that you have to that, because they feel fully formed. And each movie, I think, has a conversation about the role that parents and kids play. So if you don't mind... Talk, talk a little about that. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I think the one thing that I'm sort of uh, most familiar with right now in my life is being a parent because I've got three kids. Uh, when, you know, when we were writing Stillborn, um, we were trying to come up with an idea of what a film could be about. And we had just sort of, my wife and I had just left the baby phase with Max. My He's five now, but he was one at the time. And so, you know, all these things and these fears and these anxieties of being a parent were so kind of fresh in my mind 
you know, and we had been planning to have another one. So we kind of, you know, we, we just been through it and, you know, you're a parent, so you understand that, you know, being a parent's amazing, but <laughs> it's also very hard. And, very. you know, uh, and if you put a, you know, almost a supernatural twist on just the idea of parenting, how, how those things that are just hard, they can become terrifying, you know, like little, little things like looking at a baby monitor at night and just watching the baby and it's such an innocent little cute thing. Like you're just watching the way they move, the way they're cuddling a, a stuffed animal or holding their bottle or something like that. But then all of a sudden you get this little, you know, fear in the back of your head. Like, well, what if something just reached into the crib and grabbed it? Like, what would I do as a parent? And so it's like those little things that you kind of just take from your own experience and you apply them into, uh, you know, a horror a horror genre film where it's just like, you know, you're taking the normal and you're twisting it on its head. And I think I, I, I like when films do that where they just take the normal and they kind of flip things around because you can establish just sort of, you know, this is everyday life. This is what I live right now. I mean, I don't have a huge house like that, but this is where, I, you know, I am. I'm, uh, it's parenting is hard. Finances are hard. Everything's hard. So when you add on top of that, the, like the extra stress, of just like there's something going on here. Um, I think that's just really interesting just to kind of see how it's kind of like the straw that breaks the camel's back of the family and everything starts to just domino effect out from that. So um, that was kind of how Stillborn happened. And then when Z happened, um, my wife and I were talking and Stillborn had just released and we were just like, what, you know, what, what kind of things are we dealing with now that, uh, you know, might make an interesting film? And our oldest son Sawyer was about five or six at the time. And he was, he had just started uh, kindergarten. And so I'm sure you've, have you done kindergarten yet? Yeah, I've got a 13 year old. So we've done done some of that. (laughs) Right. So it's, there's that first day of kindergarten where you say goodbye and they walk away with all these strangers and you're, it's kind of an emotional thing because it's the first time in your life. I mean, you do preschool and that's one, you know, a couple hours a couple times a week. It's just different. But when you do kindergarten, they're gone all day. At least for us, it was like eight to two thirty or something like that, Monday through Friday. And it was just, you know, you go home and the house is very empty and you're just like, this is really weird. And then when the kid, you know, you pick up the kid, it's all exciting. He's excited to see you. But they start bringing home these new ideas and they're like, hey, I learned this. Hey, I learned that. And all of a sudden you're no longer in control of what your kid is learning anymore. And so we started talking about that a little bit and just like what kind of things could, you know, could you could you twist that into? And my wife suggested the idea of an imaginary friend and it just started like, just like churning, you know, the, the, your mind starts going like, oh, that's terrifying. Like, uh, uh, you know, how do we deal with this and all these different things? And we started, you know, outlining this story about this family. And it was actually like two kids at the time. It was Sawyer and Max. And uh, I, cause I, we just didn't know. And so all these things, a lot of the things that happened, like the, the big moment to Daniel, that was actually supposed to happen to Max earlier, uh, a different part of the film. So that got, as we got rid of one kid, which is great because having two kids, I mean, having one kid in a film is hard enough. Having yeah. two, I can't even imagine. So <laughs> we started just sort of paring things down and then we did a, a pretty bad r- first draft together and then Colin joined me, Colin Minahan, and we kind of reshaped it and built it into what it is. The, the main thing was figuring out the last act and how it can kind of be a, an interesting conclusion where you're dealing with you know, this whole imaginary friend, because that's, that's so hard. It's, it's such a vague concept of what is the imagination? What is being, you know, what, if I'm seeing something on screen, like, is the audience seeing it too? Or are they separated from it? Kind of like how sure. when Josh is playing, um, uh, he's playing, uh, like the floor is lava and he's jumping on the pillows to the mom. It just looks really stupid. And so 
you know, later in the film, we as the audience almost become the parent and we're watching these things happen. We're just like, this all looks very stupid. But because Keegan in the role is so committed, it's, it's got, it takes on a super crazy, you know, uh, feeling to it where it's just like, you're just like, what is, ha-? you know, it's, it's so off-putting because everything is so strange. Yeah, yeah. But, um, well, that's kind uh... of just like, yeah, being a parent is hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh, I mean, uh, again, both my wife and I are school teachers, so like, uh, we, we don't have a huge house to begin with. And then you couple that with, you know, living in the same space as, you know, these these two children that essentially mm-hmm. you don't see every day, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. it is even tougher. And I think right. both, I think both of your movies really highlight uh, how difficult it is to, to be a parent. And... I, I maybe you can speak to because I think the relationship between the parents and the kids uh, are really really interesting and like there is uh, like maybe a, a frustration of communication or miscommunication or this barrier right that exists just because of that relationship and both like you know the fact that one is older and the other and you know all of those things right. that come into play that it's that that conflict that sometimes despite loving one another we we don't always share the same perspective and that sure. is what is terrifying um that i think that's what works so well so maybe you can speak some to developing the the relationship between the two sure yeah i mean i think with stillborn just being a parent in general it's such an evolving thing like the baby stage is so emotionally and mentally stressful because you're not sleeping that much. Sure. Um, and then as they get into the toddler stage and older, it's a lot more physically demanding because you're they're moving and you got to follow. So because <laughs> I mean, kids are suicide machines. Yes. They just want to die. <laughs> and that's all they want to do is just look for something to kill themselves. And your job as a parent is basically feeding them and making sure they don't die yeah. by some stupid act. So that's kind of you know while stillborn was very much focusing on that emotional side of things where she's not sleeping she's constantly dealing with the kid and there is that disconnect i mean the biggest disconnect for me when when writing it and talking to jesse about do how the you know the performance would be is that to jesse he's got a son but because he you know he made the baby the he watched his wife get pregnant and then they had the child so at the end of the day he's got this thing like boom i've got a baby whereas with mary she had this thing where she spent nine months incubating these two babies. She developed a relationship with both babies. And so even though she has one, she's still feeling like she's missing half of herself. Hmm. So that right away, there's this, um, there's this disconnect between them because he's, he's happy to have a new father. He's busy. His business is, you know, is, is booming, things like that. He's got focuses. And for her, she's just devastated. And there's just no way to really articulate that to him and have him fully understand. Like he wants to take down the crib. She doesn't because it means something to her that she doesn't want to give up remembering. So with Z, it becomes a different situation where you've got a kid that's been going to school for a few years now. Um, there's almost like an apathy that grows up or that happens with parenting where you're you. It becomes like routine. You know, sure. you drop them off at school. You go home. You, you have five hours to kill. Then you're going to pick them up and start getting ready for dinner. Um, so you kind of your, your schedule is built around this kid in a different way than it is with a baby because you can only do things in these short windows. And one of those things you want to do is, you know, just have time to yourself and just relax and be able to do that. And so when your kid needs you, it's just an added stress because you're just like, I don't have time for this right now. I need, yeah. I need me time. I need me time. You know? <laughs> and so, so I think Beth has just become kind of apathetic to what it is to be a child because she's, 
you know, she's far removed from that whole imaginary side of her when she's, she's no longer working. Um, she's just, she's sort of just stuck in this rut. And I think that kind of just, uh, when, when her mother dies, it starts to unlock things that she didn't, you know, she's locked away because to her, it sounds like she had a pretty rough childhood. Something happened with her father. So, you know, she has no good relationship with her mom, her sister and her are disconnected and the death of her mom kind of bring them back together. And with that kind of brings back memories and things, which ultimately leads to where it goes, where she's like, Oh my God, I'm all this. She's, she's basically like getting high on her own childhood. And she's by the end, she's kind of like overdosing. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I can see that. Well, and that was a, uh, brings up another question that I had. I think the film uh, intentionally or unintentionally, uh, is asking questions about generational trauma and generational abuse. And I think that, like, because I got the impression, like, something something bad happened, uh, you know, to, to mom early on. And now, by hook or by crook, by accident or by purpose, the, the same thing seems to be bleeding over uh, to right. her son. So did you intentionally want to have a discussion or, you know... Uh, want to talk about in the film about how that kind of generational trauma functions in a family unit? Um, I think it's kind of, I'm getting a little feedback there. Okay. It sounds fine. Um, I think it's kind of interesting just how, you know, just every generation has changed so much. Like you had, you know, like baby boomers and what the millennials are kind of, they're, they're, they're constantly fighting right now because, you know, to millennials, the baby boomers, everything was cheap. Everything was easy. They could work on one job and support themselves. Whereas now it's like, you need to have five jobs and you can't buy a house. You're still living with your parents. There's, there's a lot of people talking about stuff like that. And it's, um, it's just like, as a parent, you want to leave your family in a position that's better than you had it when you were a kid, you know, and some people are more fortunate and they can do that. Some people aren't, but I think, um, you know, in Beth's case, she she had this really bad childhood that she wants to forget. And I think that just the idea of being like, I don't want to be like my parents has also kind of dulled her passion for being a parent. She doesn't really know what it's like to be a parent. It seems like Sean Rogerson's character, he's more fun. There's also some deleted stuff where Sean's a little more playful and they're doing stuff. And, and, he, uh, and, and Beth is always kind of the buzzkill because she just doesn't have that. She never had that relationship with her parents where she can do that. So she's bringing all this history to her subconsciously because even though she doesn't really remember it, it was kind of ingrained in her. So, um, yeah, when, when it seems like her past childhood, cause whenever she had Z as a kid, it's starting to bleed over because she's starting to remember these things and they're, they're kind of leaking over. And I mean, it's, it's left kind of intentionally, uh, not vague because there is a lot of, there's a lot of information there on what happened but without being overtly just like exposition filled, this is what happened. I want to be able to leave it up to a little bit of interpretation. Cause I mean, I've talked to people and they, they bring up the mental illness part of it. Like, sure. you know, I know Keegan, when she went into this, she was looking into different mental illnesses and, um, and how, you know, that might be the cause of this. Cause that, I mean, ultimately that ends up being something that certain people can relate to. And you have to be very careful about it sure. because, you know, with anything like even stillborn the film, it was, uh, it had a lot, the title alone evokes a very nasty response from a lot of people. Like my wife, um, she hates the title for a very particular yeah. reason. And a lot of people have that sort of visceral response to it. And, and the same thing with just sort of Mary's, how she went through postpartum psychosis. In this, it's very similar where some people that might have an experience with something, 
um, like schizophrenia or something like that, they can apply that lens to the film and it gives it kind of a different meaning. And it's not totally intentional to be that way, but it's left. I, I don't like to just spell things out 100%. I would like to let people kind of apply themselves to it and just put their, you know, use these characters as like a cipher for themselves and just be like, oh, you know, uh, like, you know, I think any parent watching this should be able to relate to something in it, oh, you know, yeah. whether it's toys going off in the night or, uh, you know, just dealing with teachers and the disconnect between what you think your kid's doing and what they're actually doing. So I think it's just, it's left in a place where you can put apply a little bit of yourself and your history to the film so you can fill in the gaps. Yeah, I, I, totally. I And I, I thought immediately when... I mean, because there is that angle uh, of mental illness. I thought, like, Munchausen by proxy and, you know, that kind of stuff uh, certainly is involved in that conversation. It's interesting that you mention teachers and that and that conversation, right? Because there is an uncanny feeling. Uh, and your kids are, are young enough. Maybe you haven't necessarily run into this yet. I've, I've got great kids, but occasionally they screw up, right? <laughs> and... Sure. When a teacher uh, is discussing, you know, um, you know, something your kid needs to work on or whatever, you think your kid is perfect. And sometimes that right. behavior is not reflective of what you see in the home. But as a teacher, I know it's real, right? Sure. So I think that um, answers and speaks to that kind of uncanny feeling that we as parents have that at some point they grow up and do stuff without us and they'll change, right? right? And they'll be different. Have yeah. you... Have you seen that, and and did that kind of play a role in in either film? Um, yeah, I mean, with Sawyer, he's the only one that we've had parent-teacher conferences with, and for the most part, it's been very good. Like, he's a very smart kid, he's very bright, and, you know, he reads really well and everything. Um, so I, I've been fortunate to not have that disconnect, but there still is the little things like, oh, yeah, he, you know, he reacted this way to something, and you're just like, oh, that's interesting, like, that's not yeah. how I see him. Yeah. And it's your first initial thing is to get defensive because you don't believe it. And then, you know, you have to kind of take that objective stance like, well, they're, they're not going to lie to me. Like, that's really how it is. And I, I'm sure that as a teacher, it's got to be super uncomfortable. And, you know, you're like, this is not an easy conversation to have. <laughs> right. Because right. I'm about to sort of open up Pandora's box here for you as someone that isn't here all the time. So yeah. it's, it's interesting. But really, I mean, the whole thing, when I was a kid and I was nine, I randomly just started getting like severe anxiety bouts and so i would i would be in a situation where i couldn't go to school my parents would have to take me after the bell so they could walk me to class i couldn't do sleepovers i couldn't go to friends houses it was like a year and a half of my life between nine and ten that i just for no real reason i just had like just crippling anxiety huh. and I, I went to a therapist and i did the thing where i was playing a game with the therapist you know i was rolling dice moving the thing along and I think they do that so that your mind is sort of focused on this game and they ask you questions while you're kind of hypnotized by this game and you're able to be a little open so I went you know I had to go see a therapist for it and so I kind of drew on that where uh, you know I put my parents through hell because they didn't know what was happening sure they didn't know uh how to handle it because you know talking to me didn't matter it didn't it just it just happened it was just something that happened that triggered inside of me when I you know would go to school or something where I would just like it would hurt you know just yeah. internally and so that was a big part of it too is just sort of drawing on that experience where you know i experienced it from josh's perspective where it's it's kind of my normal whereas the parents they've seen the transition so they don't know how to handle it and sort of it starts 
breaking down the family unit a lot because they're both going to handle it different ways. They're both going to, you know, they're not necessarily going to see eye to eye on it because Beth, she just is like, well, let's drug them. Let's move on. You know, let's fix this with medication. And right. He's like, no, let's, let's not. Let's try and be there for him. Take him out. Go to play zone. Let's do, you know, be the parent, be the friend that he he feels like he needs from Z because he's obviously not getting it right now. Yeah. So, yeah, there was kind of just drawing from my past and uh, and, and sort of knowing how much how how much hell I put my parents through um, to 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 you know sort of build up that whole experience for them. Yeah. So let's uh, let's talk about one of the the coolest aspects I think of this movie, and that's the the kind of creature design because we don't ever fully see it and it's always kind of built in the shadows. Uh, but it's really, really neat. So can you talk some about the creature design and then maybe the handful of like kind of pseudo creature reveals we get in the film? Because I sure. that that that's awesome. Um, yeah, that's always the hardest part with with uh, Stillborn. It was, you know, we had sort of a reference to do to, to pull from because Lamash too was a real thing. We totally redesigned it to just sort of look like something like the grudge or, you know, long hair witch type thing. It's pretty it's a pretty standard thing. But the biggest issue with Z is that it needs to be something that needs to be scary, but it also needs to be playful enough, something that wouldn't immediately turn off a nine year old boy. Sure. You know, like it's got to be in a situation where um, they, you know, depending on the lens you're looking at at his childhood or adult you're going to see it completely differently. So for Josh, he's seeing this thing with a big smile and big cute eyes and he's, he's able to see through the, you know, the, the giant teeth behind it and just sort of have fun with it. He doesn't know he's being played so that it can just use him to get to his mom. But to him, it's just a friend that he doesn't have at school. So it's kind of playing this role that he's not getting anywhere else. And then for, you know, an adult, when you look at it through that, it's just like, Holy crap, like this thing is terrifying. It's kind of like how clowns work now. Where kids they can see these bright colors and these these horrible things, but as uh, that are just like they they're innocent, but they to a parent when you apply like the lens of John Wayne Gacy or or something like that, you yeah. know that there's something can happen. And of course Pennywise, it's just like it's too cheerful. It juxtaposes everything you know, and something's something's not right here, and it's just off. So yeah. I think um, that was kind of the big thing going into it, and we talked a lot about things like. Uh, how the Babadook has, you know, an iconic costume where you can see sure. its silhouette and it's just like you, it's identifiable immediately. But I mean, I'm not a great artist. I'm not a creature artist or anything. We can't afford creature artists at this point. So it's just a lot of conversations and looking at references and it's building, it's just trying to figure out what works. And ultimately you, you find an actor that you go, Oh, he, he does really interesting body movement. He's super tall. He's super skinny. Like, let's also use that. And so that becomes part of your design, too, because you're just using what you have available to you at this level. So um, ultimately, it, it ends up being a situation where you shoot it and you've got parts of it that work really well. But then you can use in visual effects like enhance the eyes and you know make the smile tighter and, and, and things like that that allow it to kind of take on what it became. Um, so there is mean, the, there's this great scene where uh we get the full picture right in charcoal or you know Uh black marker or something uh who did who did the actual uh you know the actual drawing of that 
So that was uh, Brittany Allen. She was the one that scored the film. She did okay. a bunch of the charcoal art of Lamash too in uh, Stillborn. Okay. And when we were shooting the film, because we couldn't actually put anything on the walls because it wasn't our house, and like <laughs> I don't know how, you know. So that's just like a green screen okay. laid against the thing. Cool. But um, so we could. It was kind of one of those things where it's like, let's just figure it out later. Okay. And so Brittany, while we were shooting, she sent us this thing, and it's exact. It's the exact same sketch that's in the film, and it was just like it's it's really weird and it's very strange and it's way too good for a nine-year-old yeah we're just like okay maybe we can take this and you know we can dumb it down later but then we put it into the film as just a temp and it just it kept striking a chord with people and so eventually we were just like i don't think like no one ever brought up the fact that it was too good you know so it was always just like oh that's terrifying yeah so it's fantastic yeah yeah it's really cool and it's just different it's and and so we actually had to take z and shape him a little bit more to match that too in visual effects because it didn't really you know there was a huge disconnect between that because she had never seen anything and and where we ended up so it was kind of trying to meld them together but uh, yeah it was funny because it was just like a thing they were like oh this is really cool but i don't think it's going to work and then eventually we made it work by shifting what we actually shot and stuff to match that closer so yeah, it was it was funny, and then she she also did the score on the film too. So she was pretty intimately involved, and you know, so that that worked out well. So the the important lesson for filmmakers here is uh, find a composer that can also draw, and she can yeah, she yeah. can do all your character work. All I, right. I think that's I think that's right. I mean, in indie, it, the thing is, in like indies at this budget level, it's it's so important to let people that are good do their work, and you know, if they can do something. Um, you know, I think one job as a director is to not think you're the best at everything, sure. you know, to be able to open up and be like, oh, you know, and take in these different things. And, you know, and it works with like score like that, like you let them tackle it. And all of a sudden they find a moment that you didn't know existed because you're not seeing it through the same you know, scope they are. So they, they go, you go, oh, wow, that's really interesting. And it's it's hard sometimes because you have this, you know, you've got this focused vision that you think that it is. But then you allow it to sort of turn into this other thing and you realize that there's something there that you didn't even know existed. I mean, the film, you know, even with actors, they always bring something to a scene that you're like, oh, wow, I didn't expect that. And you have to decide, like, you know, is, you know, you're just sort of weighing which is more true to the character, which is more true to the, the story you're telling. And oftentimes these people are bringing things that are deeply personal to them. So they're able to make it more true by bringing that to it. And you have to just sort of let them do it because there's a reason they're doing it, you know, and sometimes it's way off base, but luckily with the people that we were working with, it was all pretty much, you know, things that enhanced what was already there. Sure. So uh, the name, right? The name of the movie, the name of the creature, you know, uh, the name of the imaginary friend, what uh that tell me about that because it is a, a super specific choice and one that ends up working awesome like it is right yeah like it's really rad but i feel like there is a story or something there all i know is that it's an seo nightmare <laughs> i know i had trouble finding it in uh i i imdb it was like it's getting better because there's the trailers and stuff come out but it's gonna <laughs> like it kind of has a subtitle now or not a subtitle but it's like when you search for z wants to play that's kind of how it's being pushed to okay. everyone to to allow it to be found um so that was just something that came from that like initial day talking with my wife because we 
we were just trying, we didn't have a name and we were just giving, we thought the idea of just the last letter of the alphabet was just this creepy thing because toy, like the toy thing, the Z, 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 like that was the very, that was the first gag we ever talked about was just a toy that would talk to you and like this Ouija board moment that it could communicate through this toy. Um, That was kind of the, the just it just was something that we just were like, let's just call it that for now. You know, so it's like, it's like naming something. Oh, well, you know, let's call this, it's a variable X, you know, and yeah, there's right. variable Y. And this was just the variable Z. And the more we thought about it, it was just, just like creepy. This Z is just a single letter, big Z on the page. It's just like, that's, there's something about that, um, that other than the impossibility of Googling it is just kind of sinister. <laughs> and, and, and the, the biggest fear was just like, is someone going to confuse it with Zorro? Oh, okay. But yeah. it, that hasn't happened as much as people kind of thinking it's a zombie film because oh, of World yeah. War Z and things like that. But you know, once people see the film, it makes a lot more sense to them. Sure. Um, and it's also funny because we shot in Canada, so a lot of people would come up and they would ask if it was Zed, you know, oh. and it became referred to a lot as Zed. And you're just like, no, it's not. Even people that see it, they still call it Zed because those Canadians and their their crazy <laughs> alphabet. Yeah, but that. Uh, <laughs> That's you though, right? Toronto, right? Or... Uh, yeah, I was. I we shot in my hometown, Calgary. Uh, so that's where I grew up. But uh, I've adapted, and I understand that <laughs> no other letter rhymes with Z, so it kind of makes sense. Uh, I dig it. That. I dig it. Well, uh, I always like to end every interview because Signal Horizon is uh, is all about you know exploring horror in and out of the classroom, and a lot of the staff writers here are all teachers. So do you have uh, a favorite teacher, uh, you know, that you want to give a shout out to or even better, like a a moment that you can remember something scary happening in the classroom or reading something or, you know, what what made you, if anything, uh, you know, uh, fall in love with genre stuff or a teacher that um, you want to champion? Knock yourself out. This is is your education topic. (laughs) My 11th grade English teacher, uh, Mr. Dixon, I can't remember his first name, but I was sort of, like, I was in that transition from, I was kind of a crappy student in the 10th grade, and then the 11th grade, there was a moment where I was, like, I was always kind of a class clown type, like, I would speak out of turn, and I would say stupid things, trying to get a laugh more than to get the right answer, and there was a moment I did that in 11th grade English, and it was it was a meaner thing than I normally would have done. Like I I said something to the teacher that was a total dick move, you know. <laughs> and I understood it immediately. I felt bad immediately. And it was right before parent teacher conference, and you know he brought it up at that, and I knew that I had screwed up in a way that I didn't need to be punished to learn my lesson. And for some reason, something triggered there, and I could totally track this to that moment where I kind of just totally changed my high school behavior where I was, especially in his class, like I worked harder, you know, I was a lot more helpful in class and and things like that. And, uh, and I was able to apply myself better and it kind of trickled out to other, other subjects as well. But, um, yeah, there was that one moment that it happened. And, uh, you know, then from that day on, I got along with him really well that it just, it was just a weird, dumb thing that I did. And, uh, you know, uh, luckily I was able to acknowledge it, feel bad about it, and move forward in a positive way where I was actually I actually took something from it. So I mean, that's always the one memory I have from high school where I kind of can, you know, 
see what's what happened and you know cl- with clarity and remember with clarity and sort of remember how that affected the rest of my school so mm-hmm. i think that was a big a big thing for sure cool which is kind of understated but and it's not really no. anything to do with my career but it just was something that sort of helped me apply myself later on sure and hey man uh the school day is made up of lots of small moments like that and you know that's uh it's exactly what you know i think both students and teachers hope are accomplished you know like very rarely are there oh captain my captain moments it's a lot more like sure. hey man maybe i said the right thing here or maybe i said the wrong thing here and i need to fix yeah. it so yeah uh, thanks so much for taking time i know that you've got to be busy like the rest of us trying to you know corral all the kids and and uh, do publicity and whatnot so you know right. thanks for for taking a few moments I loved Z. I'm in the middle of writing my review now, and it should go live here in a day or so. But, uh, you know, I I think you get kids and parents really well, and that feels like that has been my entirety the last six weeks. So congratulations on the fantastic film, and uh, I look forward to seeing uh, what comes next. What what does come next? (laughs) I'm writing something right now that I was actually supposed to start shooting, like, right now. Oh, um... shoot everything kind of got pushed. So I'm not sure when it's going to happen, but it's not a family horror. It's something totally aside, you know, it's sideways from what I've been doing. I just want to, I need to take a break from scaring moms for a little bit. <laughs> I understand. Then, uh, I'll, re- I'll return later and finish my mama trauma trilogy. But, uh, for now I just want to do, it's just a much smaller project, very small cast, very, just something I can shoot close to home and just like something to do right now. But yeah, you know, I, I, who knows what's going to happen with, with how long, it takes to open up things and yeah. be able to do it. So is it is it in the next few months? Is it genre or? Yeah, it's still horror. It's more. It's just more in line with something like Creep. Oh, great! Like, like Z or Stillborn. It's just a totally smaller piece. Like, so does that mean there's a found footage element to it? There is a found footage element. Hey, to it, all right. It's, not, it's it's just used as an. It's not like a found footage movie. It's just got bits of it in it. Okay. So it's kind of interesting. I hey, cool. I can't, I can't wait. It sounds right. Am I like I'm one of the the few suckers. I'll, I'll watch any found footage thing you throw in front of me. So I, right, that's I, cool. I, yeah, uh, that's that's just my jam. Well, very good, Brandon. I won't keep you any longer. Thanks so much for uh, coming and talking to me uh, today. And you know, congratulations on the film. And and hopefully, Shutter's release of it will continue to be good, man. <laughs>